0: Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service Podcast. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more.
1: Good morning. Welcome, everyone. A special welcome if you are a visitor. Welcome to our live stream folks. We all may be live stream folks if the city of San Francisco gets quarantined, so subscribe now. (laughs) If you are someone who's visiting this community for the first time or one of the first times and you feel comfortable, um, could you raise your hand so we can welcome you and show you around after service. Welcome. Nice to have you here. Welcome. Great. Thank you for joining us. I wanted to um, take people back to Sunday, January 19th, when members of the Westboro Baptist so-called church, a congregation that's infamous for its hate speech, showed up on the steps of All Souls Unitarian Church in Washington, D.C., and it had a, they had a megaphone and a crowd and were trying to disrupt, in fact, did somewhat disrupt the Martin Luther King Jr. service at that congregation. They yelled homophobic slurs, especially aimed their vitriol at the senior minister, the Reverend Dr. Rob Hardys, whose Aunt Nancy, Nancy, are you here? is in our congregation. The congregation left singing songs and actually met hate with love, but kids were kept in their Sunday school classes and many had pretty hard and sad questions to ask after service. And so on January 22nd, I sent Rob a note acknowledging our support for them and asked you all to send Valentine's to them and many of you did. And then we sent 15 pounds of hugs and kisses and a big sign to put on their hospitality uh, table that lit up and said, love, because we didn't want them to feel alone. So thank you all for being part of that, because while I was away on vacation, the biggest envelope I've ever seen arrived (laughs) with this, a valentine back from the people of all souls. So may we continue to put love out into the world. I'll leave it for you all to come see later. Love, and get that cycle going so that in fact love wins. Welcome. And let's begin our service. There's lots of singing and it all involves you, of course, so get ready. So first is a round, one of many actually, to fit the theme of today's service. Mark, give us our marching
2: instructions. Yes, you'll find the words, and amazingly enough, the music on the front cover. Um, It's gonna take a little bit of doing, but if you'll stand with me, we're gonna learn the song simply through repetition. You can either turn it around and try to read it, or you can just simply listen. <laughs> the words are written by Richard Creshaw, who's a famous poet, teacher, cleric, converted from whatever to, I think, Catholicism. But the, he, most importantly, he was a major figure in metaphysical poetry in the 17th century. So we're going to enjoy singing this round. We'll start off just singing it through two or three times, and then I'm going to ask the choir to scare you, I mean, to uh, sing. <laughs> In, uh, in parts, but feel free to do whatever you like. Um, it goes something like this.
0: Um, love
2: is a
0: circle that doth restless move in the same sweet eternity
2: of love. We'll try it again uh, several times. The choir, help me! Ready, go. Love is
0: a circle that doth restless move in the same sweet of love. Love is a circle. in the same sweet sing.
3: now let's join in our unison chalice lighting. The words are in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together.
4: Good morning, everybody. My name is Scott Benbow, I'm a trustee of the church. Uh, After church today, everyone is invited to coffee hour, uh, which will be in the Martin Luther King Room down the hallway. After you have a cup of coffee, we'll also go out on the front steps of the church to protest the detention camps and separation of children from their families. We have been bearing witness to these atrocities every Sunday since July. Please join us. There are many announcements of upcoming events today, Uh, Most are included in the order of service, which the last time you saw this, it was um, going like this. Um, So please check all of the announcements in the order of service. Um, Briefly, we have a couple of announcements from members of the congregation. First, the moderator of the church, Carrie Steer Salazar.
5: Good morning, everyone. As many of you already know, the sad and frustrating news is that five-sixths of our handbells were stolen from the church last week. So we're reinforcing all our doors, we're looking into surveillance footage, and doing all that we need to follow up on this tragic event. Also, um, Reiko has already um, arranged a song for our remaining bells, and you'll hear that next week, I think. Meanwhile, though, there's something you can do. Next Saturday night is the Broadway sing-along, and we'll be donating all the profits from that to the handbell um, purchase. We know there's gonna be a gap between the insurance amount and what it costs to replace those bells. Um, So we want to invite you, if you haven't done so already, to buy a ticket to come to Broadway next Saturday night. You'll enjoy an evening of singing, and you'll be doing the good work of helping us replace our bells quickly. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Kerry. I'd like to invite Jim Ballant for the next announcement.
6: Good morning, everyone. Uh, You may or may not know that this is the first of the month. Uh, It would have been my 51st wedding anniversary, but that's not why I'm here. (laughs) Anyway, uh, today uh, we have the um, San Francisco Food Bank uh, table uh, for donations. Uh, and uh, uh, I don't know who's manning the table today, but uh, uh, there we go, all right. Um, we don't really have a list of it, and I'd like to have people who are volunteering to man the table the first of every month uh, kind of gather together around the table so we can get to get a, some kind of a schedule going. So, uh, Everyone knows, I hope, what the food bank is all about. It's uh, to help our um, less fortunate population. And uh, please come to the table and give generously. Thank you. Thank you, Jim.
4: Next Sunday, March 8th, our service will be part of our work on the journey toward wholeness with skits and a chance to think deeply about the reality of how to see and stop the painful reality of microaggressions. More in the Flame this week. I
0: breathe when I breathe I breathe in peace when I breathe out.
7: Good morning. I'm
8: Nancy Buffum.
7: And I'm Joe Dellert.
8: We're pleased to be the co-chairs of this year's annual operating fund campaign. Also note.
7: No, you, it's you guys.
8: Known as the pledge drive or the canvas. Um, all congregation members and friends um, should have received a letter from us and Reverend Vanessa this week asking you to join in support of this wonderful community, its leaders, staff, center, and social justice work.
7: When I first came here 25 years ago, more than 25 years ago, I remember how wonderful it was to walk into this beautiful sanctuary. And I naively thought that each year, it was just the collection plates that got this place to stay this beautiful. It's really the annual pledge and the people who commit monthly, and that's why I decided to lead this this time. I'm
8: a lifelong Unitarian Universalist, as were my parents before me. I grew up in a congregation active in the civil rights and anti-Vietnam War movements. I'm familiar with Unitarian Universalism's history of struggles and our continuing struggles to live out our lives with the values of anti-racism, social justice, and radical inclusion. Our daughters, Hilary and Maeve, grew up here in the Sunday School and really in the whole church. Their friends are all ages, everyone from their coming-of-age mentors to the children they now teach in Sunday School and play with in the all-church retreat.
7: How many of you have ever ever climbed the tower? There's a bell tower attached to this church with no bell anymore. If you're Younger or a parent of a younger, you've done this. This is one of the secret little special things about our community, and later this month, there's gonna be an opportunity to do that again. But it's that sort of thing that is the glue that gives us connections, whether we're serving breakfast on Sunday in the early mornings for the homeless, or we're climbing the tower, that's the true treasure of this place.
8: Our experiences, our friendships, and our sense of belonging are possible because First UU of SF is here for us every Sunday, all year long, with worship services, social hour, programs, and religious education. We have our ministers and our staff to thank for this, and ourselves, because ultimately we're the ones who, by our financial pledges, keep the doors open.
7: When I was first asked to do this pledge drive this year, I got an inspiration. Why don't we make it about pie? (laughs) Who doesn't like pie, right? How many people like pie here, right? Yeah, you all love it. You all like different kinds of pie, but one of the things you can think about is it takes a pie to fill all the needs of the church. The church is the crust. It holds all us fruits and nuts together to make a beautiful pie. So when you pledge this year, and we're going to have a reception on the 15th, everybody gets a piece of pie while you're pledging. So let's get 100% of you to pledge and all have pie together.
8: That will be March 15th. And you can look for information in all our different communications. You can pledge starting today online, and there is information at the welcome desk, or you can see us after church. Thanks, everyone. We love you.
7: Love you all.
3: And now please rise in body your spirit for our spoken covenant and sung doxology. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth and freedom, and to help one another.
1: Recognizing there is human suffering all over this world in the course of natural and human catastrophes, we ring our gong today in honor of one such place of suffering and struggle, and we ring it also in honor of one place of gratitude. So we ring our gong this morning in honor seven times, in honor of the seven children who have lost their lives in federal custody in our detention camps. And we let its ringing, those seven times, stand symbolically for the adults who have lost their lives in these camps, those who remain in them, separated from their families, many of them, and those also who wait in makeshift refugee camps at our border, hoping for an asylum hearing. We strike our gong then one additional time in gratitude for the people of McFarland, California, who recently rejected the opening of an immigrant prison in their city, though jobs are scarce and need is great. May we keep those we have named in our thoughts and in our prayers, And may we ease the tide of suffering this coming week and lend our voice and self to the tide of courage and love, howsoever we can. Join me now in a brief time of prayer and meditation. In the expanse and intimacy of this space, a moment carved from the business and the busyness of life, Let our racing hearts slow. And allow us to listen for what murmurs just beneath the noise We bring questions, big and small. Struggles. Uncertainties that wake us. Certainties that constrain. Knowing the power of simple presence to our lives, to our own lives. The chance to be fed in the simple silent witness to each moment we enter and hold shared silence together.
3: This reflection is written by Marilyn Faltz, and its title is Reap What You Sow. Marilyn Faltz is a member of the Beacon Unitarian Universalist Congregation in Summit, New Jersey. She wrote the following. Once many years ago I had a very sick friend who continually bemoaned the fact that so many people were helping her and she had no way to pay them back. I wrote up this experience by way of explaining how favors are repaid. My good friend and college classmate, Barbie, came to visit our family when my three children were three, six, and eight. As a result of a childhood diabetes, she had lost her sight shortly after graduation. And her visit, on which she arrived by train, was a tribute to her pluck. At week's end, I took the three children and Barbie to Newark Penn Station for her train to Boston. I sat the three children on the platform bench and sternly warned them not to budge. When the train pulled in, I tried to engage a gruff and uninterested conductor for assistance with the luggage and helping Barbie over the gap. She misstepped, and although we caught her fall, a huge gash was opened in her leg, and she began to bleed profusely. The station master, highly agitated, rushed over and said, you better drive her to the hospital, the ambulances take forever. I knew that she was having major health issues with medication levels and all the attending complications of diabetes. I was completely overwhelmed with the thought of driving with my three young children, and Barbie, in her deteriorating condition. I was paralyzed with indecision. At that moment, a woman who had just put her college-bound son on the train stepped up and introduced herself to me. In a split second, she somehow established several mutual friends and a trustful connection and she said she'd watch the children when I went, while I went to the hospital. The station master urged, "'Go, you need to hurry. "'I'll help watch the children as well.'" In my alarm over Barbie's state and potential for diabetic coma, I hastily agreed and off we went. It was not until she was safely in the emergency doctor's hands that I panicked about leaving the children and desperately called the station master. Not to worry, I can see them in the waiting room, he said. They've just had their second ice cream cone and are having a grand time with their new friend. Amazing Grace. 15 years later, a friend and I had taken her two teenage boys and my youngest to Niagara Falls. They wanted to take the mate of the Mist boat ride. We walked down the long driveway hill to the embarkation dock. As their boat floated off, there was a horrified gasp from the crowd watching the launch about 50 feet above where we were standing. A man reaching for a child's toy tumbled to the cement pavement with a horrible thud just five feet away. He was motionless pandemonium ensued. Quickly, an ambulance and several police cars arrived. A woman clutching three children began running down the long driveway, screaming hysterically, that's my husband, that's my husband. The ambulance crew blocking her way said she couldn't take the children in the ambulance with her. She became even more agitated Everyone seemed paralyzed by her screams and the wailing of the children. My whole being was transported through time to that moment at the Newark train station. I knew instantly what I needed to do. As if in a dream, I stepped forward and announced, I'll take the children to the hospital. But I don't know you, she sobbed, calmly, And with complete authority, I explained, we, the children and I, will go in this officer's police car and we'll meet you at the hospital. Astonished but obliging, the police officer piled us in his car and off we raced to the emergency room. Amazing grace revisited.
1: reading this morning is a brief passage from Paul's letter to the Galatians, who it turns out were in a bit of struggle among themselves, and to whom Paul wanted to communicate that faith was not enough all by itself, that what you did mattered. And so he wrote to them, Do not be deceived, God, Translate that word as you might. God is not mocked. For whatever you reap, you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us grow not weary in doing what is right. For we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. Here ends our reading. Christian scriptures, as you might imagine, were being written by and for an agrarian populace and so are filled with organic and agrarian references. No surprise then that the whole cycle of reaping and sowing as a metaphor is used more than 80 times. The one we probably all grew up hearing was the one we read just now the you reap what you sow phrase, as Paul writes to the Galatians, who it appears were clearly worried that justice can be cheated. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. You reap whatever you sow, he writes. So comforting to hear, perhaps, depending on what you've done, may be terrifying. <laughs> but also maybe not worth losing too much sleep over either way because we know from experience that that statement isn't entirely true, not on Earth. It would be great if the world followed this rule of the universe as unshakably as it does the law of gravity or momentum but it doesn't always work that way, does it? I imagine we all have lots of counter examples that come to mind. We've seen the sweet, trusting person who gives away their social security number or whose credit card gets stolen. The upright life that gets assaulted on a walk home in trauma that results for years afterwards. And likewise, you and I have probably seen our fair share of badly behaved, unethical, narcissistic people, I think we can think of a few, uh, whose lives seem heaped with luck and blessings and whose bad deeds never quite seem to catch up to them, although we wait and watch, hoping they will. And I don't think, by the way, that that makes us bad people with hard hearts, that we wait and watch for the chickens to come home to roost. I think it's our desire for justice and fairness to believe that the world is good and in right balance and our fear that it isn't. Sometimes though, what goes around comes around. You know, we all know someone who was pretty badly behaved as a kid, who made everyone in the family miserable and then has kids and one of them gives them a hard time and everyone nods about the apple not falling far from the tree. Or there's the beautiful examples when someone really fabulous has the blessings of their lives washed back over them. Years ago, I started paying attention to that last set of stories and having them hit home in really personal ways. I started thinking about it when my uncle, my mother's brother, got sick. I didn't really know this uncle until we, as a family, moved to New York City, which we did just after I turned eight. Keith lived in upstate New York, and he ran a business with his wife. They ran a big restaurant and an inn right on Cayuga Lake, Finger Lakes. And having lived on the West Coast up until that point, our families had little interaction. But my first summer in New York, the summer of my ninth year, I was sent to spend a few weeks with this uncle and my aunt and my two then very young cousins. Years later when I thanked my uncle for opening his life and home to me, I found out how this had first come about. Keith had come to visit my mom and my dad in their classic New York railroad apartment, the first place we moved after we moved east. He saw them working really hard to launch a new life in a new city, and he thought, I need to help my sister out. And let's remember, this is New York City in 1976 or 77. It's bankrupt. It's, as I recall, the murder capital of the United States. The godfather, Carmen Galante, his son lived upstairs, so when anything got complicated, Galante, the godfather, would also live upstairs. No one seemed to have air conditioning in a city that had in the summer 95 degree days and 100% humidity nights. There were better places for a kid to spend a summer and Uncle Keith offered what he had. And as a result, Vanessa, little Vanessa, got out of the concrete jungle for a few weeks that first summer and my relationship began with his family. And that first summer would launch a series of summers. Before long, I was entrenched in my second Ithaca family, leaving New York the day after school ended and coming back just before school started. I worked in their restaurant when I was old enough, and I acquired two cousins who were stand-in for sisters for this only child. I swam in the lake. I made sacred territory of this whole beautiful place that I spent these months and two people who became like surrogate second parents. My uncle and his wife were exceedingly generous to open their lives to me. I know they did so without any sense of it ever benefiting them. If anything, welcoming another child into their busy lives with two small children of their own and a new business to run during its high season was an act of generosity, pure and simple. Fast forward 33 years and lay aside all the gifts that I have gotten. My aunt, who deeply shaped me, died from breast cancer and not long after that, in a cruel twist of fate, my uncle found he was struggling with an aggressive brain tumor. His older daughter had just had a baby, the first in the family. And it was my family, my parents, who would step in. My mom, who would go to Ithaca to visit Keith as much as she could, and then eventually she and my cousin Laura bringing Keith to New York, where he would be closer to both of them. And when he was gone, it was my mom and dad who babysat for that small infant infant, so Laura and her husband could get a night out, and later for the baby sister who would follow. And it's my parents who sleep over most Christmas Eves with my cousin, and my parents who are called Granty and grunkle. (laughs) By my cousin's children, who know my parents as the closest substitutes for two people, two grandparents they will never know. I have to imagine that for my uncle lying in the hospice bed with long, quiet hours to think. One comfort must have been that he left his daughters in ready hands to catch them. And of course, such hands were ready because he'd made a huge and generous offer three decades earlier at a really inconvenient time with no thought of how it might, if ever, benefit him made me think how often what goes around does come around, and in ways that completely surprise us. It doesn't always come right back to us though, right? Sometimes, maybe more often, we put things out in the world and start some chain reaction that we never recognize as something that we launched, even if it comes back across our doorstep, some cycle of sowing and reaping that's more like a chain, as Marilyn named it, of anonymous grace. Perfect example of that kind of reaction would be Marilyn's story that we heard today, that woman who spent two hours in the Newark train station keeping three small children busy while Marilyn rushed her bleeding friend to the emergency room. Marilyn, who got nervous, appropriately so, in those two hours and called the station master five times, she told me once, they're having a ball, he'd tell her. And that woman who doled out ice cream in the train station would never see would never know the woman who years later would cry out at Niagara Falls when her husband landed lifeless on the rock ledge below after a fall. The woman in that train station would never see the scene that played out when a well-dressed and respectable woman stepped forward into this mayhem with a strange composure and took the hands of three children knowing just what to do because long ago another woman had shown her what caring perfectly for someone in such circumstances might look like. We may never see the harvest of our own good deeds or even our own bad deeds, but the truth is, I think we can trust that the seeds planted in the world almost always bear a fruit somewhere. The most dramatic story of this that I have heard is the one that's told in the documentary, A Small Act. Has anyone seen that? It tells the story of Chris Maburu. Harvard-educated Maburu began his life poor in rural Kenya. What launched him, however, was the support of a Swedish teacher named Hilda Bach, who, answering some advertisement, sent $15 a month to educate a child in Kenya and was matched with Chris. Years later, Muburu noticed how families in his home village still could not afford to finance their children's education and determined to pay the gift he had been given forward. He started a fund for just that purpose. He named it the Hildebach Foundation, in honor of his sponsor. Right there is this huge circle of sowing and reaping, right? But it doesn't end there. Maburu also decided to find Mrs. Bach and to thank her for what she had made possible in his life. So he tracked her down through the Swedish Embassy and he found her, this charming, humble woman. They became friends and he heard her story, which was incredibly remarkable. Hilda, a Jew, had been born in Germany. She was persecuted by the Nazis who among other things denied her the right to an education. Eventually she got a visa and left Germany, but she had to leave her parents who could not get visas and whom she would never see again behind. Imagine then for her, to hear not just how her gift of education had multiplied, the education she understood so well, the pain of being denied. Imagine the healing there, but, but more so, imagine her reaction to hearing about what the boy whose education she had paid for now does for a living as a man. Because, you see, Chris Maburu became a highly respected human rights advocate. Currently, he's heading the anti-discrimination section of the UN Human Rights Agency, work of which is all about, in part, preventing things like genocide, the kind of violence, abuse, and genocide that tore Hilda's own life apart decades before. What goes around comes around, often in strange and wonderful ways, more often, I think, than we'll ever know. And maybe, and most often in ways we'll never see or hear about or recognize as our own handiwork, even when it crosses our own life, taking on a life of its own. It isn't a perfect law of nature, not like gravity, not like momentum, but it has this pull and this force of its own, a gorgeous one, the kind hope relies on. It is annual giving season. And I would be remiss if I didn't connect the dots explicitly. Because I believe that it is this same orientation of the Spirit that has created this place. People with that mindset built this sanctuary. and. People with that philosophy of life muscled up money and leadership to repair it from millions of dollars of earthquake damage after 1989. Margot, are you here? Margot was part of that leadership. She was minister then. Others, like those folks who endowed the church and continued to for hard times, who put in place scholarship monies that we still give out every year. And that isn't just administering those monies, that's connecting to those kids often with emotional support, practical support in other ways. And it's exactly that law of the universe that had people here this last month at 4:30 in the morning and at five at night after work and a long day of school to make meals and welcome our homeless, when our community looks out for those who are sick or hitting a hard patch, or takes someone to the doctor, or ferries someone else's kid to church and back, or welcomes the stranger, We don't do it with the narrow sense that we're going to be paid back, right? We do it because we believe it matters. We believe somewhere, don't we, deep down that doing so sets in motion this wave of virtue, of hope that yes, of course, blesses us, but in ways far too invisible to put our finger on We live, Alfred North Whitehead once wrote, by the law of expenditure. Meaning it isn't important what comes to us, but what comes out of us. The truth is, put out love or justice or honesty or courage or compassion and you have a better chance of getting it back for no other reason than it's out there in the world, circulating. Reaping what you sow. It isn't a perfect law, but it gets at something powerful and important. So I propose a new golden rule begun right here and now, to live by. Sow what you wish to reap. So, though you may not be able to be there when the harvest comes in. Sow, and let the magic and the mystery and the ripples of what you lay into the world with loving and determined hands work. Do its work, bless wherever it goes. for what we do is going to bless far more people and places than I think we can imagine, as this place has for those who built it. And maybe that's the best legacy of any life, scattering what we've been given with lavish hand, trusting in what we put out into the world, and leaving meadows and orchards in the wake of our every footstep for those who follow may it be so and blessings to the sowers amen mark are you going to lead us in our closing hymn it's in our teal hymnals
2: It's the very last hymn in that book. It's been a while since we've sung it, but I think it'll fall on our ears and in our voices rather quickly. So take it away. I got Jonathan up here helping. Here we go. Here we go. Feel free to move. We
0: come from the fire living in the fire Go back to the fire turn the world around We come from the fire living in the fire Go back to the fire turn the world around We come from the water living in the water Go back to the water turn the world around we come from the water, living in the water. Go back to the water, turn the world around. We come from the mountain, living on the mountain. Go back to the mountain, turn the world around. We come from the mountain, living on the mountain. Go back to the mountains, turn the world around. River, river, wash the mountain, Fire, make the sunlight, turn the world around. Water, make the river, river, wash the mountain, Fire, make the sunlight, turn the world around. Heart is on the river, body is the mountain, Spirit is the sunlight, turn the world around. Heart is of the spirit Body is a mountain Spirit is the sunlight Turn the world around We are of the spirit Truly of the spirit Only can the spirit turn the world around We are of the spirit Truly of the spirit Only can the Spirit turn the world around
1: our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us. Out from within us be gracious unto us and grant us peace, for this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. (laughs) Amen.
3: Thanks for listening to this podcast
7: of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to UUSF.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, weekly flame, and much, much more.